I believe that um, through the book of Nehemiah, there are three enemies that Nehemiah had to face in order for him to live out the vision that God had given him to build the wall. Uh, We've been through prayer and fasting as a church, and I know that there are a number of you Uh, Many of you, in fact, who God has kind of been speaking to and laying maybe new vision, new hopes, new dreams about your life. And that um, this message this morning uh, is for you to understand the things that will try to rob and steal from you your destiny in God. God is a God who wants us to be successful. Can we turn the lights up a bit more? Because I want to see your beautiful faces. Amen. (laughs) And the other ones as well, the other people as well. Anyway, so God does want you to be successful. Somebody got the joke? I don't know. Let me, none, none of these other, they're not smart like you and me. Hey, anyway. Um, yeah, so the three enemies are to your success of living out the dream and plan that God has for you. Last week, we looked at the fact that whatever God says to you, um, in whatever shape or form that he has somewhere for you to move up to, something that you're believing God for, you will have to take steps of faith. Because we are a people of faith. We don't walk by what we see, we walk by faith. So last week, we looked at the fact of you've got to take steps of faith to go further than where you are now. And this week again, like I said, based out of the book of Nehemiah, remember Nehemiah uh, was the king's cup bearer. He had heard information that Uh, Jerusalem was in a terrible state that there was no protection for the people of God and that their enemies were running rampant. Nehemiah was so moved by it, he cried out to God through prayer and fasting. And God then told Nehemiah that in fact he was helped to help bring the answer to those people. He had to face uh, telling Artaxerxes, who was the great king of the Persian Empire, who could kill him if he took offense to what Nehemiah said. But Nehemiah conquered fear and made his step. So they had began to build the wall. Nehemiah had gone to Jerusalem. He'd got a team of people together. And they were about halfway through building the walls. And then they had to face some challenges and some difficulties. So we'll pick the story up in Nehemiah chapter 4 verse 1. And we'll read through to 14. So verse 1. But it so happened that Sanballat heard that Uh, we were rebuilding the wall, that he was furious and very indignant and mocked the Jews. And he spoke before his brethren and the army of Samaria Samaria, and said, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they fortify themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they complete in a day? Will they revive the stones from the heaps of rubbish, stones that are burned? Now Tobiah, the Ammonite, was beside him. And he said, whatever they build, even a fox goes upon it, he will break down their stone wall. Verse 4, Nehemiah prays, Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn their reproach on their own heads and give them as plunder to the land of captivity. Do not cover their iniquity. Do not let their sin be blotted out before you. For they have provoked you to anger before the builders. So we built the wall and the entire wall was joined together up to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. Now it happened that Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, the Anamites and the Ashitites heard that the walls of Jerusalem were being restored. And the gaps were beginning to be closed. 
that they became very angry, verse 8. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and create confusion. Nevertheless, we made our prayer to our God. And because of them, we set watch against them day and night. Verse 10, then Judah said, the strength of the laborers is failing. And there is so much rubbish, note the word rubbish, that we are not able to build the wall. And our adversaries said, they will neither know nor see anything till we come into their midst and kill them and cause the work to cease. Verse 12, so it was when the Jews who dwelt near came that they told us 10 times, from whatever place you turn, they will be upon you. Verse 13, therefore I positioned men beyond the lower parts of the wall at the openings, and I set the people according to their families with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked uh, and arose and said to the nobles and to the leaders and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord great and awesome and fight for your brethren, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your houses. So there we go. Big mouthful, a lot of scripture, but incredible amount of truth in this. So they were actually being quite successful. They were achieving what they set out to do, but their enemies were now very agitated to the point that violence was quite on the cards, that their lives were now being threatened. And you'll notice that um, Nehemiah reacts particular ways. So I want to talk to you about three enemies we can see in this particular part of the scripture. The first enemy, and you will face these enemies. I don't care what you try to achieve in your life. Even for those of you who may not even have a faith, to succeed, you will have to conquer some stuff. And there are three kind of things I want to pull out of this story. Is the people that Nehemiah describes as the them. There are people in your world, there are people who will actively, purposely, or even ignorantly try to stop you living out the call of God or the dream that God has given you. There will be people who will stand in the way even to the point where they may even threaten your life. The second thing that I want to talk about, we'll probably only get through one subject today, is the aspect of rubbish. You will notice that they couldn't build the wall because rubbish had accumulated. There was so much rubbish that that it was getting in the way of production. And I want to tell you that there will be rubbish put in the way of you trying to achieve whatever you want to do. That rubbish will be, uh, it can be through circumstance, it can be through uh, a whole lot of stuff, but you know in human interaction, you know when we are relating with people, even in marriages and stuff like that, through our relationships, you will find that it will produce some kind of human refuge. Do you understand what I mean by that? It's meaning in relationships, you will have moments when things are not going right and rubbish between your relationship with your partner or rubbish between you and your team or rubbish between you and trying to achieve your thing will accumulate and it will cause you a problem. And the third thing that they had to suffer was they became fatigued. Fatigued, why? Because of the opposition they were facing. And secondly, they became fatigued because the rubbish 
that was in the way of building had worn them out. Then people, rubbish and fatigue. Interesting. So I want to look at them people. We find it in um, verse 14. It says, do not be afraid of them. There was always a them. With anything you want to achieve, there will be a bunch of people we will describe as them who are going to oppose what you want to do. These them for um, Nehemiah, we'll give them their names. Uh, there was Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs and the Anamites and the Ashtodites. The word Sambalat means hidden enemy. Sambalat was a hidden enemy But the more they began to achieve, the more this enemy became out of being hidden to oppose them. See, there will be people, I guarantee, who will start off hidden around your world when you're trying to achieve something. But as you find success, they will raise their ugly head. Amen? Those three um, areas that I spoke about the um, the them, the rubbish that gets in the way, and fatigue are the three main things at different points in my life as I've done this journey of ministry that have got to the point where they've almost forced me to want to give up. Um, particular moments when everything has built up, where maybe the voices of all these people have finally taken a toll. Or maybe because when you're dealing with people, you create rubbish. A lot of marriages fail because the rubbish does not get gotten rid of. Do you understand? A lot of relationships and friendships fail because rubbish accumulates. And the third thing, of course, getting tired. Ever been tired? Ever been overdoing what you're doing? Fatigue. Very real problem. So anyway, let's get back to the them people. Sam Bellet, the hidden enemy. They were mockers. They were mockers. You know what a mocker is? A mocker is someone who makes fun of you. Is someone who will make fun of whatever your dream is. I've had a few mockers. Um, naysayers, these are the them people, these are different types. A naysayer is someone who will go, ah, nah, nah, can't happen, it's too big, you're too dumb, um, nah, there's too many problems that will get in the way, nah, can't be done. Um, hope none of us here because you're meant to be a person of faith, are not one of the people that goes, nah, nah, that Jesse, nah, just, uh, just something about Jesse, nah, nah, couldn't do it. Don't be like that. That's not who we're, we're meant to be. Notice Nehemiah described his team as the builders. See, if you are a person of faith, You are not meant to be a puller-downer. 
You are meant to be a builder. You are meant to help build your brothers and sisters. You're meant to help build your children. You're meant to speak words of life. Naysayers. Fearmongers. Jump on the internet. You know, I was talking to someone the other day about some stuff that is looking likely to happen. And they were saying that part of their opposition were some fearmongers. And these are the people that are looking at our times that we live in and they are on the internet and they are saying that the mark of the beast is near. Well, it could be. I don't know. And they're saying that the enemy is getting so big and strong and, you know, watch out because the virus is man-manipulated and behind it is a massive conspiracy and it's just too big and we all need to run to the hills and hide. It might be a big conspiracy. I don't know. But my God is bigger. My God is bigger than any stupid mouth on the internet. You know, some of you watch what you're listening to. Too much rubbish. Sure, we are actually in end times because it began from the moment Jesus was crucified. That we entered into biblical end time. But nobody actually really knows how long it is. Do you know that? Lots of people have said Jesus is coming back at particular times and they're all made to look like fools. Because we don't know. Now we can understand the times, but I want to tell you, if you hear information coming to you from someone who says they are a Christian and the result is fear in you, you should stop listening to that. Because God has not given you a spirit of fear. I'm not trying to... You know, I'm just saying, dude, I didn't get saved and hear good news to live in fear. I heard good news because I know I have a hope and a future. And that God has given me a dream and vision as he has for you. And he doesn't give it to you so you can fail. But them people, you've got to not listen to them people, the fear mongers. Defamers. You know, defamers, liars. Gee, I'm getting. I had to tell you, there are people who will lie. They will tell lies about you. They will tell lies to other people about you because they want to see you fail. Because they are motivated by something other than the Spirit of God. Liars. Don't listen. Conspirators. Sometimes people will join together to try to cause you to fail. You know, the, the, the what is it, the mob mentality. <sighs> join in and, you know, bleh. Nehemiah says to his troops, because the enemy's relentless kind of attacks, let's read verse 14. And I looked, see here's Nehemiah, a great leader has this ability to look. If you want to be a great leader, if you're leading things in this church or whatever in your life, or family, you need to be a person who has their eyes open and has the ability to look and understand situations. You need to look, not have your head down under whatever's going on, but look and look 
beyond. Nehemiah looked. And I looked and arose. See, he looked and he bent down and he gave up. No. He looked and he realized and he rose up. See, if you want to defeat the enemies and the thems, you need to look and recognize the source of who these people are. And you need to not roll under or come under. You need to stand up above it. Rise up. I arose and said, open your mouth to the nobles, to the leaders, and to the rest of the people. Do not be afraid of them. Do not be afraid of them. Do not be afraid of the them people in your world. Do not give them credence or let your ears let that stuff sink in. Do not listen to those kinds of people. Do not. Because they will feed in you a stronghold for the enemy. They will place seeds of darkness that will try to rob you and steal you. Don't listen to their lies. Listen to the truth. Amen. Don't, 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 don't. Simple. I mean, you know, oh, just a little. Oh, what did so-and-so say about me? Don't, don't even entertain it. Don't. Look up, rise up. Open your mouth and speak truth. Speak the truth. The words of the one who doesn't lie, who believes in you, who does have a great plan for you, no matter what is happening. No matter how many enemies you face. Now, David is a super interesting guy. King David. King David became a king because God had called him. He started as a shepherd boy. And, and he, was, he ended up leading a nation. Who knows Psalm 23? I've been dying to preach this, but... Psalm 23 is just the most brilliant psalm. I told Pecca about three weeks ago, I said, man, I'm getting the stuff out of Psalm 23. And then she started going around saying to some of our other preachers, because I told her a little bit, and she goes, nah, nah, nah. And I'm like, shut up, woman. They're already giving me pressure. These guys are already really good preachers. I've got to have something that I can bring. Now don't, don't tell them my secret shit. Let me do it. Anyway, God, I don't know. Humanness. Psalm 23. The background between, behind Psalm 23. Now, a lot of times you will go to a funeral and you will hear Psalm 23. Sheiks, how much time? Psalm 23. You know, and it is often used kind of like, you know, the shadow of death and da-da-da. And it says it, but it's actually not a psalm about death. It is a psalm about tremendous hope. And you've got to understand at what stage of David's life he wrote Psalm 23. And now he was a shepherd boy, but at David's stage of life, he was a very mature man. He had led Israel. And his son, Absalom, had betrayed him and conspired and was trying to take over the kingdom. And the armies of David, David had had men who had left them to join um, Absalom. 
And they were saying, David, your time is done. You know, there are those who are saying, finally, David's going to get his canuppance. You know, finally, all the people who had hidden or wanted to see this man fail were rising up. And even his own son had developed his army. So he imagine in the heart of David, the shepherd who had become a king. And um, the terrible torment and pain. And just because if you read inside the story, David is heartbroken. He's heartbroken. And he had cried out to God and said, God, man, if my time is done, my time is done. But I trust you. I trust you. Whatever you, whatever. And that's where he wrote Psalm 23 from. Psalm 23, verse 1. For the Lord is my shepherd. You see, when the voices get loud, when the thems start to rise up, it's about who or what are you going to follow? Where are you going to go get what you need to get through your hardship? Where are you going to go to get what you need to rise up above whatever your challenge is? David had learnt over many, many years from, the, from being a mere lad and a boy to, be a, to being a king that there was one shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. Not the words of the naysayers, not the words of the doomsdayers, not the words of those who will pull me down and lie. The Lord is my shepherd. See, that is a powerful statement. Powerful. Because it was spoken under pressure, it was spoken under heartache. Yet this man did not revert to falling and folding. He reverted to the pattern of what he had had for years that had given him strength. The Lord is my shepherd. Hallelujah. Friends, If you want to achieve anything in God, if you want to achieve anything with your life, the Lord is your shepherd. A shepherd guides you to green pastures, friends, no matter what. Psalm 23. I'm going to do a series on it at some point. So verse 1, the Lord is my shepherd. Don't listen to the wrong voice. Go to the voice of the shepherd. Now I want to kind of just go, it's verse 5 that really is where I just kind of want to probably finish. Psalm 23 verse 5 says this, You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Man, it's quite crazy. This is crazy stuff. Because I didn't understand the psalm, and in particular this verse, until a little while ago. Because I always used to think about, you know, God, he prepares a table of me because I like food. You know, I imagined a table with a spread of food and that my enemies were be, you know, doing whatever they're doing. I'm sitting down just eating KFC or having a feed or whatever. It doesn't actually mean that. Do you know that? Because the language and the original language in this, when it says, you prepare a table before me, actually is a table of war strategy. 
The word prepare is a word that soldiers would do before they would go into battle. The language here is actually that God will sit you down and lay you a table before you where the strategies for you to win and overcome will be prepared for you. How cool is that? The Lord prepares a table. And in fact, the language means he will give you expert counsel. I like it. See, God wants you to be successful whatever you're doing because that's who he is. Yet, you will face some enemies and it can get ugly to the point where there are betrayals just like David. And the enemies will seem insurmountable sometimes. But friends, you are on the winning side. You are a builder of the kingdom. You are not just some mere mortal. There is something incredible about you because he's with you. And that there are these moments when you need to go to him and recognize, go to the shepherd. And then the shepherd will prepare before you. He has set in place, it's like Courtney said, he has predestined success. He has predestined, it's whether or not you're going to take it. I don't know how many times we have had challenges and some big and ugly ones. But I can tell you like David that when I have been smart enough to look and realize what's happening, that I go to the shepherd and the shepherd lays out before me the plan forward for success. Hallelujah. Can I hear a hallelujah? hallelujah. Friends. God has tremendous things for us as a church and tremendous things for you. I has not yet seen, friend, what he wants to do. Minds have not yet imagined, however, to achieve greatness, you're going to have to fight. To achieve greatness, you're going to have to get back to the guy who gives the plan. Remember what we were doing when we were fasting? We need his presence. We need his plan. And we need his power like Travis was telling the youth. <laughs> you ever talk to somebody who's real smart all the time and you're like, wow, how come they're so smart? God's way more than that, you know? I just want to inspire you this morning. Stop listening to the wrong voices, the them in your life. Because the them exist. And some of them are ignorant in what they're doing to you, but some of them are purposeful. But you've got to see beyond that. You've got to see, recognize the battle. Go to the shepherd, and he will lay out for you the strategy to move you forward. Hallelujah. Now, I felt in the worship this morning, I don't know whether you're watching the stream or you are here today, that some of you have not yet made the initial step to the good shepherd. 
You have not yet made a decision in your life. You are still trying to guide your life. You are still trying to lead your life. And friend, you will only ever, or if you're as dumb as me, it just caused me strife. And I just feel this morning to give opportunity for some people to make a decision to go to the good shepherd. Can we close our eyes? In our Lord, you are the good shepherd. There is none like you, Lord. There is no one who is so committed to us like you. I pray for those that are here this morning or listening in our stream. That, Lord, this morning there would be a decision that they would make clear cut to leave behind their own choices, their own way of living life and say, God, I need you. I need the good shepherd. Holy Spirit, I pray right now that you would anoint my words to break beyond the enemy. We will pray a prayer together. I encourage you, if you have not made that step or you need to make that step back, pray this prayer with us because he is listening. The good shepherd is listening. Pray with me now. Lord Jesus, you are the good shepherd. Today I make a decision. That is a lifetime decision. That I want you to be my shepherd. I want you to take control and lead my life. I accept you as my Lord this morning. Forgive me for going my own way. Wash me from my sin. Lead me on the path to life. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you made that call this morning, any of you here, please come talk to, talk to me. If you made that call this morning on the stream, I encourage you, send a message to Pastor Bowen, uh, and we want to help you on your journey of faith. And friends, be encouraged. He is with you. God has success for our lives. Thank you so much.